this morning, I want to really focus on a father's voice. A father's voice. A father's voice. And um, this week, I uh, asked all of you to send me some of the sayings of your father. And uh, uh, several of you sent me some of your father's sayings. And uh, what's amazing about that is that we can see so much wisdom in the saying of our fathers. So much wisdom. We can get wisdom from what our fathers have said, but we also can get wisdom from what we hear other fathers saying. And so I just want to kind of share with you with some of those sayings uh, from uh, our fathers. And here's one right here. Um, this is a saying that's, uh, where, where, where uh, our father's saying, it says, mean what you say and say what you mean. How many of you would love that whatever we said, we meant, and whatever we, uh, what, what, what we meant, we said, and whatever we said, we meant? And you know what? There's this commercial out that says something like, um, wouldn't it be great if everybody spoke what was on their mind? No, 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 it would not be great. It wouldn't be great. But wouldn't it be great if everybody meant what they said and said what they meant? So, so that's a good word. And, and how about the words that we pass on to our sons and fathers pass to their sons and they pass to their daughters? And then the word that the fathers have passed become generational words that inspired them to rise to a level of excellence. And what about this one here? The heights that great men reach and kept were not attained by sudden flight, but by those who, when their companions slept, were toiling upward in the night. Wouldn't that be awesome that your, that your kids will always cause those around them to rise, but they never reduce the standard? And that while other people were sleeping, they were still focused on their purpose and they were moving forward. I love that. Um, what about this? Uh, your word is your bond. Do not promise anything that you can't deliver. Now, 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 first of all, we talked about mean what you say and say what you mean. And isn't it also great that when you say what you mean, you'll do what you say? That's good. You know, you know when you, when you uh, go to a place, remember, have you ever talked to your mom and your dad and you said to your mom and your dad, uh, Mom, uh, I, can I go over here with with um, uncle, would I go over here with some of my friends? And you know, they've told you, no, you can't go. But you now start validating that you want to go, and you start telling them who else is going. But then all of a sudden, out of the mouth of your father, he says these words, I don't know who else is going, but I know who ain't going. So, so and, and probably every father has thought this, not every father has acted upon this, but you know how fathers are so protective of their daughters. And, uh, and, and, and so notice this. This is one here. I better not catch you with that boy or I'll feel his behind with buckshots. <laughs> Here's another one. Oh, we got a couple of more for you. If you get to work an hour early, you are late. No wonder she's always early for everything. Here's another one right here. Saw wood and say nothing. 
Now you wonder, what does that mean? Saul wouldn't say nothing. It's like when people are trying to do you in, you just keep working. You just keep watching. And everything is going to wash out in the end. So you just saw wood and say nothing. What about the humor of fathers? Fathers are so humorous. And, 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 but, but here's one right here. You know, you've told your, your, your mom or your dad has told you to do something. And you, when they got back and you, never, you didn't have it done. And so you, 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 um, you said, I forgot. Well, what about a saying of a father that says this? A short pencil is better than a long memory. And then the fathers that are humorous. How about this one? It's good to have children, but he said that after we were grown and gone. (laughs) The sayings of our father. And so this morning, um, on this Father's Day, I want to take a few minutes to just... uh, talk to you about a father's voice, a father's voice, because the power of a father reaches beyond, it reaches beyond the child, and the the, the power of a father goes through generations, and fathers are so powerful whether they are present or whether they are absent. They're, They're powerful whether they are positive or whether they are negative. So there's two ways to recognize the power of a father. And the first way to recognize the power of a father is uh, when you can see that power at work in the family. Then there's a second way that you can recognize the power of a father, and that is to measure what happens when the power is gone. So when we talk about a father's voice, we talk about a father's voice, I want you to see here that when Jesus was baptized, and in the book of Matthew chapter 3, and particularly in verses 16 and 17, when Jesus was baptized, notice what happened here. And Champions, would you read that with me like you know it is the word of his power? Now, the moment Jesus came up out of the baptismal waters, the skies opened up and he saw God's spirit. It looked like a dove descending and landing on him. And along with the spirit, a voice. Would you say a voice? This is my son chosen and marked by my love. The light of my life. Notice what he says, this voice says that one translation says, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And this translation says that this is my son. He's chosen by my love, and he's marked by my love. And because I have chosen him and marked him, he is the delight of my life. And and when we look at that and we begin to reflect on this love and, and the Father's voice, I began to think about, you know, my dad and, and uh, how my dad was such a loving man. It was amazing that he would sacrifice what he had for others. Uh, my father was an entrepreneur. He uh, was uh, served in ministry. He had a strong influence in our family, and, and it was difficult for him to say no to somebody else's de- needs. And uh, my father, 
never left us uh, in our family. He was always there with us. And he did not grow up with his father, but as he grew up, he met the ultimate father. And he began to call on Abba Father, who taught him how to be a father. Now, what's interesting about that is that uh, my father went to heaven 30 years ago this year. And uh, my younger, two youngest children, J Jonathan and Jasmine, never met my father. Justin was two years old, year old when my father passed. And, um, and, 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 and I remember that. And so a, a couple of uh, years ago, we went to a restaurant and, and uh, it was intentional. We wanted to have just a time of family sharing and I wanted to ask them about uh, how could I be a, a better father? Because I've always prayed that God would give me the wisdom to know what kind of father I would need to be at various levels in their lives. That when they were young, what kind of father I needed to be. When they became teenagers, what kind of father. When they uh, uh, were adults and left the house or when they got married. And so I began to, I wanted to take an honest assessment of me. And I asked them to be open and to share that there was no repercussions or no penalties. And to my amazement that they said things like that um, as, as they talked about me and they ranked me a lot higher than I ranked myself. But as they talked about me, they said that, well, you, you, you've, you've been uh, an entrepreneur, a business person, that you, you serve in ministry, you um, have great influence in our family that you've never left us, that you're a loving father, and it's difficult for you to say no to somebody's needs. Now, although my two youngest children, Jonathan and Jasmine, never met my father, but yet they did meet my father because I am like my father. Now, what's interesting to me is when we look at Jesus and people would say to Jesus, they would say to him, um, introduce us to the Father. And, and the amazing thing before even we look at them asking Jesus that, that Jesus, I've always wondered and I've asked the question, I particularly this week, I asked the question and wanted to answer the question, why would God want to become one of us? Why would God want to become one of us? And the reason I would ask that question is because during the Bible days that people wanted to become a god. They wanted to become an emperor. They wanted to become a pharaoh. They wanted to become a god, but yet God wanted to become one of us. And, and, and I want you to notice this. In the book of John, chapter 1, and we're not going to be long this morning, but it's going to be good. Amen? <laughs> John, chapter 1. Look at this. It says, the word became flesh and blood. And one translation says, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. I love the way it says it here in the Message Bible. It says, the word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. So the word became flesh and blood and it, and it, it, it moved and began to live and dwell among you, among us. So the word, the word, the word moved into the neighborhood. 
We saw the glory with our own eyes, the one-of-a-kind glory, like father, like who? Like father, like son. And so people would say, show us the father. And when they said to Jesus to show us the father, Jesus would say to them, when you have seen me, you have seen my father. And I am the closest thing that you will ever see and get to, to my father. And so when you've looked at me, you've also looked at the father. So John, later on in this particular chapter, in verse 18, John says it like this. He says, no one has ever seen God but the one and only Son who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father and has made him known. No one has ever seen God. No one has ever seen him. But the one and only Son who is God and the Son who is God has come to show you and to make you known who he is. And so he begins to talk about uh, uh, God and, and, and how uh, God is invisible, but no one has seen him, but yet you have seen him because you have seen me. And so like father, like what? Son. Like father, like son. Now, it's important to, to really reflect this, that that's what God expects of us, not just men. But if you read and study the Bible, that like father, like son, every person in here is considered by God a son. Okay? Um, in the Bible, when Jesus was before his crucifixion, he referred to women as daughters. Daughter, your faith hath made you whole. But after Jesus was crucified... He referred to every person that believed on him as a son. Because a son was the one who had the right to his inheritance. And so God refers to you as a son because you don't have to go through a man or no one else to get to him. That you can come to him all by yourself. You don't have to go through a priest you don't have to go through a husband. You don't have to go through a father. You are considered a son. And you have access to your inheritance. As many as are led by the Spirit of God are the what? Come on, would you say I'm a son. And I have a right to my inheritance. My God. Now, now. So. This morning, what I'm going to do is we talk about the a father's voice. I, I, I want to just kind of read a story, and I want to give you three points or highlights from this particular story that we will learn about the father through the son. We'll learn about the father through the son. And um, in the book of John chapter 9, it's in John chapter 9, we're going to read it this morning out of the NIV. Chapters, would you read that? Let's read it together now. As he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, 
this man or his parents that he was born blind. Now, right here, one of the things that we recognize is that they believe that if someone was blind, that uh, they had committed a sin. They believe that there was a curse on them. If someone uh, was sick or, or whatever it was, it was a curse. It was something that was, uh, they had done that had caused that to happen to their life. And so they said that somebody sinned because this, this man was born blind. And so, uh, Rabbi, who was it? Was it him or was it his parents? Isn't it interesting? How can you sin if you've not been born? So Jesus is going along, and as he's going along, he sees this blind man, and then they wanted to know, what did he do wrong? And what Jesus says, Jesus says, you're asking the wrong question. You're looking for someone to blame. But there is no such cause and effect here. Look at this. But look instead for what God can do. Isn't it amazing that if we come to a place where we're not really just looking at, uh, you know, trying to find fault at what goes wrong. Trying to find out who's the blame in relationships and situations and on your job and in your finances. But, 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 but there is no such cause and effect here. He says, look instead on what God can do. Now, when we look at that, it's very interesting because when he says these words, we recognize that we live in a fallen world. And so Jesus is really giving us some insight about the Father and about the world that we're living in. And he's saying that there are some things that you will experience in your life that it is not your fault. There are some health struggles that you might have in your life that it is not because you did something wrong, but it's because we live in a fallen world. There are some struggles that you'll go through in your life, but it not, may not be because you did something wrong, but it may be because we're in a fallen world. But no matter what your situation, no matter what your circumstance is, rather than looking at somebody to blame, look instead of what God can do. Look for what he can do. Now, now when we look at that, then we recognize then that uh, God did not cause this blindness. It's important that we recognize this to happen to this man. But God is going to show the purpose for why Jesus came through this pain, through what he's experienced in his life. So in verse 6, it says, after saying this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. Now, sometimes you read that and you go, ugh, I don't want nobody spitting on me. If you blind and you cannot see, I'd say, Jesus spit in my eye. And so he, he spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva, and put it on the man's eye. I, I want you to see this. And so he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. So the man went and washed and came home what? He came home seeing. He came home seeing. 
Well, well there was this big confusion because uh, they, they, they wanted to, uh, at, they asked him when they saw him because this man was a beggar, but now he's no longer a beggar. And so they asked him, they said, you know, what happened to you? He says, Jesus healed me. And then they asked him uh, again, the second time, what happened to you? Jesus, he healed me. How did he do it? He, he, he put some spit on the ground, and he made some mud, and he put it on my eyes, and he told me to go wash. I did. I said yes. I was a yes person. And when I washed, I was able to see. They didn't believe him, so they called his parents. And they said that, is this your son whom was born blind? They says yes. And they says that, how is it now that he can see? They said, we don't know. All we know is he's blind. he was born blind. And the Bible says that they said that because they were fearful of being put out of, of the temple. Now, this was uh, very serious consequences because if they were put out of the temple, it was as if they were uh, like lepers. They, had no, they, they were unclean. And so they didn't want to get put out of the temple. And they said to him, he is of age himself. Ask him. They asked him again, well, how did this happen? He says, I've already told you and you don't believe me. But do you want to become one of his disciples also? And they said, well, what happened? He says, who is he? He says, well, I don't know. He's a prophet. Well, well, what do you mean? He he did this on the Sabbath day. They said, look, look, I don't know really who he is. But what I do know that I was blind and now I see. See, there is something that no one can take from you when the glory of God, when the hand of God is upon your life. No one can take away your testimony. And so his voice became the man, God's voice became the man's voice. And this man began to say what God had said. The Bible says we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. So there is a sound that comes from our mouths that declare what God has done and it gives every person a revelation and insight on what they could not see. Now they see the hand of God working in your life. So this man was not timid. He was bold. But then now when he told them you want to become one of his disciples, the Bible says that they put him out of the temple. But Jesus found him. And Jesus says, do you believe that I am the one, the son of man who has been sent? And he says that I believe. And when this man believed, what a tremendous voice that came. And he discovered the who, although he knew the what and he knew the how. He knew what had happened to him. He knew how it had been done, but he just didn't know the who. Now, this week, uh, and over the years, people would ask me because they know that I'm in ministry and they, they know I work in ministry. They know that I've worked in investments and they know that I was um, even uh, the founder of an investment firm. And so they, they know these things. And so people would come up to me and they would ask the question, what can I do to get into the finance industry? What can I do to get into investments? What can I do to have a more meaningful life? So they would ask me about various aspects of my life. And they would ask me from the standpoint of what is it that they can do.
And when they ask me that, these people want to know what they, they can do. But, but when you know your why, you have more options to, what you, to your what you can do. It's really important that you know your why. Because when you know your why, then you can, you, you, your what has many different options. I'll give you a perfect example that my why is to help people live a better life. And, 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 and that comes out, my what, it comes out in many different ways. It could come out in, in teaching. It might come out in me investing in other people's visions and dreams. Uh, it may come out with uh, me uh, uh, mentoring. It may come out in a, my what may come out in a number of different ways. But my why has always remained the same. And so uh, when, when, when I recognize then that my what have options when I know my why. So this week I saw a video that was really, really interesting. And this vid video it really highlights this. A couple of years ago, I introduced the church to a comedian by the name of Michael Jr. And Michael Jr. has a, uh, he, he's a comic, comic, uh, comic and he travels around the, the country or actually the world uh, sharing uh, his comedy. But he has something in each of his shows where he stops and he calls it break time, where he will engage the audience and he will ask the audience questions. And there was one man that was in the audience that he asked a question, and this man was a music teacher. Hey, check this out. Watch this. And uh, it's, it's break time, we're sitting down. He said he was a teacher and he teaches music. And I was like, well, uh, you know, can you sing? And um, check out what happens. So you're a musical director? Yes, Ooh. sir. All right, so, um, let me get a couple. Let me get a couple bars of like uh, "Amazing Grace." Can you do the first part of that? Go ahead.
Now, the first time he asked him to sing, he knew what he was doing. But the second time he asked him to sing, he knew why he was doing. And when you know why you are doing what you are doing, then your what has more impact because there is a purpose for why you are doing what you are doing. And most people are trying to figure out their what, but the truth is, is that you have to know your why, and the only way to know your why is you have to know who. Because the why is the key, but the who is the one who uses the key to unlock your what. And so as we talk about a father's voice, check this out. So not too long ago, me and my wife, we were looking at some video footage of our uh, youngest daughter, she's five now, being born. And I had never seen this footage from this perspective before, like, like ever. I took the video myself, but I hadn't looked at it and absorbed it in this way. So what I'm about to show you, it's a clip. Uh, she's probably two minutes old at this point. Mm. She's crying, she's on, the, she's on the table, the nurse is about to take care of her. And um, I want you to pay attention to what happens when she hears my voice. So when I saw that, I was overwhelmed by how awesome that is. So it's a few minutes later. Uh, the nurse has cleaned her up a little bit, and uh, she, had st she stopped crying. But then about three minutes or so into that, she starts crying more. And then I speak up, and she stops crying again. What I want you to notice, I want you to notice how she responds when I tell her, I love her. Portland, it's okay, it's good, it's good, it's good. I'm right here, I'm right here, I am right here. I love you, I love you, I love you. Yeah, I'm right here, I'm right here. It's okay, it's okay. So you heard the voice. And all you have to do is open your eyes. You heard the Father's voice, and you just open your eyes to see what the voice and who is behind that voice. And so when we think about a Father's voice, when we think about Father's Day, when we think about our good Father, as the Bible says that during that time, people wanted to become gods, but God wanted to become one of us. And so why is it? What have we, 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 we discovered about him? What are those things we discovered about him? Because the Bible says that no one had seen him, 
but the Son, but the Son is God, and he came to make him known. So what have we seen that about the Father that the Son has revealed? What do we learn about the Father? Number one, what we saw is that once upon a time, God became one of us. Once upon a time, God came to live among us. One of the reasons he came to be one of us and one of the reasons he came to live among us is so he could clarify to us what our heavenly father is like. And the closer you get to Jesus, the closer you get to the father. And Jesus says in a very, very powerful way, he says these words here. He says in John chapter 10, verse 25, he says, everything I have done has been authorized by my Father. And these actions that speak louder than words. And my sheep recognize my voice. They recognize my sound. And I know them. And they follow me. My sheep or yes me. Yes women. Now this morning, when everyone wanted to become a God, wanted to have that authority and that prestige, God put his down to come to earth so that he could become one of us. And not only did he become one of us, but he lived among us because he wanted to clarify to us what our heavenly father was like. Now, you may have had a great experience with your earthly father, or you may have not. But Jesus came so he could show us what our good father was like. Would you bow your heads?